Gracious God, as we come to this time of worship, both here and at home, speak with us about these words today. About placing our hands in your hands. About commending and committing our spirit to you. Help us to see these words from the cross as a blessing to us. How can we live them out into our lives now? Pour into the words you've given me to say. Remove me from them and let them be from you. Through the power of your Holy Spirit. And everybody both here and at home said together, Amen. So as we finish with the last words found in Luke's Gospel, as you follow along in your version, last week we looked at Jesus being crucified between two criminals, beginning at about 9 o'clock in the morning. Jesus has been awake all night following his arrest and appearance before the Sanhedrin, the religious council of leaders. He had been tossed back and forth from Herod into Pilate. He had endured a flogging of 39 lashes because it was believed that 40 lashes would kill a man. And then forced to carry a heavy beam to form his cross all the way to the place of execution, a trash dump called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And in Luke 23:44, that around noon it says the sky became dark and darkness covered the land. And that as Jesus breathed his last breath, that the curtain of the temple in Jerusalem was torn in two. And that Matthew and Mark also record this event as it is significant that it is recorded in three of the four Gospels. And as the curtain in the temple is torn in two, Jesus offers up his next good words. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Some translations say, I commit my spirit. And once again, these aren't just words from his heart in a moment of pain. Jesus is offering up a prayer. Jesus' entire life was fashioned and formed around prayer. And there are more than 20 references to Jesus praying in the New Testament. He often went alone to prayer to pray to God. He prayed all night before choosing His disciples. He taught His disciples how to pray. And He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before facing His own death. And we have seen that some of His first good words from the cross were in the form of a prayer. From forgiveness for those who betrayed and mocked and denied and accused and crucified Him, He says, Father, I pray, please forgive them, basically. Go one more dance. And he also cries out in prayer in his darkest moments from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as we learned, that psalm doesn't end in pain, but with a word of hope. So it should be no surprise to us that some of his last good words from the cross were also a prayer. A prayer that he had been praying for his entire life. 
What we probably don't know is that it is a prayer that Mary would have taught him as a child. Like all Jewish boys and girls prayed before they went to bed. The same way that probably most of us were taught or taught our children to pray their prayers before they went to bed. For me, some of the most special moments in my life were with Hannah at those moments of the night, praying together. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I pray some I pray the Lord oh, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Some versions also add, maybe you'd said this, I should live for other days. I pray the Lord to guide my ways. Or some versions they change it completely nowadays. It doesn't even sound the same anymore like you see it on screen. I guess the death part was too tough. We used to have a stuffed animal that would just go off randomly in the middle of the night somewhere in the corner waking Hannah up or waking all of us up. That thing, I had to pray for it too. I mean, do you notice the similarities between that prayer and Jesus' last prayer before He died? It's the prayer of a child, the Son of God to His parent. It's about dying. From Psalm 90, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a prayer of deep trust, of seeking and finding refuge in God. God will always love us and accept us as His children, you see. And so hard as it is not to want to picture it, but this is the child Jesus hanging on the cross, repeating the words He said as a boy before He went to sleep. Father, into Your hands I commend My Spirit is on His lips. But it's the entire prayer from Psalm 31 that he knows by heart that's on his mind. Psalm 31 begins like this, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. It was part of our call to worship today. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress... For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are in my refuge. And then the last good words he says from the cross in verse 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Then the bedtime psalm continues. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. In verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. And as Jesus is quoting this psalm, maybe he's thinking of these words and how the words of the other verses spoke to what was happening to him right in that very minute and in the days before. For it says this in verse 13, For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me 
from the hands of my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out for you. But let the wicked be put into shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. And so the plot against him, his strength failing, the horror on the faces of those who loved him who were watching him die, the scorn and mocking of the cruci- those crucifying him. And like the psalm we have looked at before, this is not where God leaves those reading. God brings hope to those crying out in the lowest moments and parts of their life. Verse 19, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. And then there is not only hope, but then the psalm gives us the power to overcome anything in the steadfast love of God. And even triumph as Jesus is about to do from the lowest point of His life on the cross. Praise be to the Lord, for He showed me the wonders of His love when I was in a city under siege. And in my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called you for help. In verse 23, Love the Lord, all His faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to Him, but the proud He pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Amen? what the psalm says. Jesus has waited for this moment to bring hope. God has heard him as God always did when he was there at his bedside with his mother Mary praying his prayers. As God hears us. And Jesus knows what he's about to do when he commits his spirit into his Father's hands. He's not announcing the end of a failed mission or saying goodbye. Or violence and death haven't won this day, but the triumph of God over sin and death that nobody really understands yet. And you can hear it more clearly in the NRSV translation of the verse 5 of Psalm 31 when it says, You have redeemed me. I'm going to fill in the blanks, O Lord, faithful God. You have redeemed me. And these last words of faith that Jesus prays to the Father are full of hope and faith and complete trust. Do you have that complete trust in God? If not, you might ask, well, how do I get that? How do I find that kind of faith? Well, you and I get that trust through a lifetime of intimate relationship with God. It comes from years of living in a life formed by prayer and worship and reading the Scriptures and being in loving relationship with others and serving others. John Wesley called these habits, these holy habits, the means of grace. These are the spiritual practices we engage in that give us a chance to experience God's grace and presence. Things that can bring us closer to God. I was reminded this week of how important those things are. 
As I began a study with three other guys, uh, eventually, called Small Group Essentials, that we hope, Shelly and I, and being in charge of GROW and those pieces, and Barbara at one time, all together, had hoped that every leader of small groups and large groups everywhere in between, and every small group will be doing this to remember what it means to be a small group. And it reminded me of what the heart of the early church was all about because one of the texts that was in the study this week that we talked about was Acts 2.42. And in Acts 2.42, they were devoted to just four things, which is what really caught my eye because we lose track of that. Just four things the early church was devoted to. The apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. The early church did those four things, nothing else. And they met together as a large group in the temple, in their sanctuary, in their place of worship together, and they met in homes together as small groups. So when Jesus says, Into your hands I commend my spirit, he's using a word here that means so much. And that we've talked about before. The word spirit in Hebrew is ruach. Say ruach. Just say it. However you want to say it, just say it bold. Ruach. It comes out of you. It's a word that you can't say easily. It has to come out of you. And ruach means breath or wind. Breath or wind. Ruach. I remember in seminary one of my most... Legendary professors of all time, Bill Maller, started every class with a smile and having us breathe in the rawr before we started class. So we'd get up there and smile with his black frame get lessons from the 60s and he would get up there and tell us to breathe in the rawr. Saying with all the richness that the Word will allow, God breathes God's Spirit. The breath of life into all creation in Genesis. And now from the cross, Jesus completely entrusts His life, His Spirit, His Ruach, to God, into His Father's hands. The hands that are ready to hold us in our time of uncertainty, in our times of darkness and fear, they are the steady hands that will reach out to us if we reach out to them. Amen? But how many times have you seen children reach out for hands to hold them, to pick them up? Maybe you've walked hand in hand with your children or someone else's and kept them steady as they learned to walk or reached out to them to comfort them with those hands, ready at any moment to reach out when needed. And you yourself, the, the hands of your parents or grandparents, hands that lifted you up when you needed a hug and some comfort, a hand that held you tight and kept you out of danger and away from the things that might harm you, hands that held you when you cried, hands that helped you to learn how to swim or ride your bike and holding on to it when the training wheels are off and just in those moments to keep just close enough to make sure they don't fall. Hands that taught you how to hold a ball or a bat. How many times when we were in a crowded space and we easily become separated from each other, did I say to Hannah, what? Hold my hand. 
Give me your hand, Hannah. I don't want to lose you. And she would look at me and say, Of course, Daddy, I don't want to lose you either. Those times are about over. But she knew, like I did with my parents, that they would protect and guide me and I would not be lost as long as my hand was in theirs. And the trust I had was absolute and total. That's why we gain such comfort in life and death in the words of Psalm 23 that we use all the time. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, what? I fear no evil. Because why? Because you are with me. See, your hands are on me. They're with me. You know, we've now reached the one-year mark, the almost official anniversary of the day that we left the sanctuary of Good Shepherd for our homes. At first, for many, it was novel. We treated it like a staycation. Learned how to do some novel things, binge-watch TV, found a new normal. And while it offered more time with family, good for some, bad for others, Domestic abuse skyrocketed. And more time to read and think about what is important in life. The reality that was going to last more than a couple of months, even beyond the summer, began to sink in. And sink in hard, especially in those of us who work in the church. And we found out that homeschooling is harder than it looks. That a hybrid can be another word for the devil, and that every teacher deserves a raise. That working from home with children is a real challenge, or a challenge for anyone, for parents, especially single parents like Hannah's mom. Some of us are and have friends that work in the medical field, serving on the front lines of the pandemic worried about infecting their family and friends every day as heroically working to save lives and comfort the isolated and bring solace to the dying. We were concerned about their safety and their well-being. And mental PTSD-like issues have skyrocketed in all of health care and beyond. Many students lost their great rites of passage like graduation from high school and college and dances and gained driver's licenses or even dating with someone not six feet away. Others of us have worried about our jobs and our finances and we have seen people we love go through differing levels of severity of the disease and inevitably lost people in our congregation or friends or loved ones to death. So why this tour down memory lane? Well, one is so that we don't forget where we have come from. And remember, these times is life-changing, and yet we found ways to live into them differently. And second, because whether we are in a pandemic or not, don't these same fears drive us all the time? We worry about the health of those we love and for our own. We worry about the state of our country and our world. We get caught up in the grip of darkness and anxiety and stress over so many things that we cannot 
control. I love this quote, Worrying does not take away tomorrow's trouble, it takes away today's peace. And yes, the circumstances have been so very different, but our response has been very much the same. Only this time it has been so much more visible to everyone around us as we're forced to make decisions, not just in the privacy of our own hearts and minds and homes. And it has torn us apart. And that is where we come to the foot of the cross, listening to those last good words. For all of this, Jesus offers a prayer that can provide peace and certainly during our times of uncertainty and upheaval of our world and in either pre-pandemic world, during the pandemic, or post-pandemic. Amen? This prayer is not limited to any of that. That we have a Savior who can be trusted from our very birth with our entire lives. That we have a God who walks with us and holds our hands and wipes our tears and puts a band-aid on our boo-boos and protects even when we walk through the darkest days and nights of our soul. That the worst thing we've ever felt is not the final thing. And by God, hopefully the worst thing we've ever done is not the thing remembered for the most. That God holds our hand through the darkness and the tough times. And what if during Lent and beyond we prayed into your hands I commit my spirit, God. Or into your hands, God, I commit my life. What if we prayed that every morning and every night? Into your hands, God, I commit my life. How could that help us to put our complete trust in God to help us overcome our anxieties? How could that help us reorient the perspective of our entire lives? For me, that is some of what I did and have been doing in these four weeks, four weeks away for rest and renewal and since. I am reorienting my life to focus on finding a better balance between my personal in my professional life lost over this last year. But not only that, but also my Pepsi. No, I don't mean Pepsi. I like good Pepsi, though. I mean, there's, you know, I like all the Mountain Dews, too, of course. Pepsi products are good. Though some of you apparently all call them Coke. That's Pepsi, just so you know. No, I don't mean that Pepsi like that. What I realized was when I was writing down the pillars of the things that I wanted to work on with my spiritual director, what I realized was that... It spelled out Pepsi. These are the things that I try to balance every day now in some way. My personal life, which is a lot of that's just maybe even having fun. I have the hardest time just having fun. And then my emotional life. And then my professional life. And then my spiritual life. And then my intellectual life. Doing things at my brain because I am who I am. I need to be able to learn something too. And then what I realized was is that one of the hardest ones, and it's another P, but one of the hardest ones for me to get a hold of all my life has been the plus P. And the plus P is my physical life. Never played sports much. Never ran. Never did exercising 
Never liked doing any of those things. But I realized was that's one of the places most out of balance is I wear a shirt too tight this morning. That's what I got. Embarrassing, isn't it? So this Pepsi. And this hardest one for me of the virtual walk has been doing that I've been doing this virtual walk on the Camino. A spiritual walk, a pilgrimage in the Camino de Santiago, which anybody remembers way back from when. I've walked 1.2 miles every day for the last week. Now, I'm sure that doesn't mean much to anybody who runs five miles or walks five miles or anything else. But you know, about one, two miles, two laps around my neighborhood about killed me. It just showed me how out of shape I really am, even though I may not look it. And that very walk was we focused around in the Way sermon series that I did years ago before many of you had even come. But for those of you who are here, do you remember the tagline of that sermon series? And of that movie, and you can go find it and watch the movie, which is an amazing movie. Remember the tagline of that series here in the, inside the sanctuary? Shelley... Life is too big to walk it alone. And we focused on that. And we've learned over this last year is life is too big to walk it alone without each other. But we've also found over the last year that life is too big to walk it alone without God. And that both of those things are important together. Individually, in a small group, and corporately, together worshiping. For me, when I commit my spirit in place, my trust in God's hands, my fears subside. Everything becomes clearer in my direction and decision making. And those fears are overwhelmed by the peace and the hope and the confidence in the one who holds my hand even in the darkest days. Like my parents did. And like I held Hannah's. I may not know what lies ahead, and believe me, I don't. And if you do, go ahead and tell me, because I would love to have your information. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I do know who does and whose hands we are, it is in. And I know that we can trust those hands and that you can too. And I think one writer put it best when she says this to close. Jesus would want us not to see, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, not as words to die by, but as words that teach us how to live. May they be for us words that teach us how to live. Amen. And so I invite you into this time of preparing our hearts for communion this morning and as we gather together here in the sanctuary and at home. And if you don't have the, the blessed cups that have been here at the church, then to gather whatever elements you would like to gather to be able to celebrate in these holy moments with us this morning. Recognizing our need for divine grace. In humility, let us confess our sins before God and one another. Merciful God, 
We confess that we do not want to be challenged by the cross. We set our minds on human things. We long for the security of our possessions. We prefer our own comfort. Forgive us, we pray. May our sense of self-preservation be disturbed by your Son's example that we might take up his cross in service to the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray, and God's people said, Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. The Mighty One has sent the deliverance for all people, even the generations yet unborn. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook the covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still, small voice. And so... With your people on earth and all of the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your spirit led him into the wilderness, where he fasted forty days and forty nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on a cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during forty days, and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now when your people prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent we may be gifted in grace to reaffirm the covenant you made through us with Christ. You got over there. Pick that up for me, please. On the night which gave up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ is is risen. risen. Christ Christ will come come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and at home and on these gifts of bread and wine both here and at home. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son Jesus Christ with all the Holy Spirit and your holy church Honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And as we receive communion and prepare our hearts and gather in this, at the end of communion, we will be praying the psalm from the cross, all Psalm 31, and then we will spend time gathered together around that cross through our music. So prepare your hearts at home to have your elements ready to go, and we will also prepare in here. And if you will come, who are those in present, We'll come forward individually, leaving space between one another, and come and be able to receive communion this morning uh, from our trays. And so, as Jennifer's setting all those things out, if you just want to play a little something, we'll play a little something. side, come up from the center and go that direction. The other two sides also come from the center and come up the middle.
everybody here and at home, the body of Christ broken and given for you, the blood of Christ shared and shared for all of our lives. May we receive these things now into our life. Hear these words from Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands... I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and, let, and be silent in the realm of the dead. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. That you bestow in the sight of, of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called out to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all who hope in the Lord. Now let us rest in this moment at the foot of the cross, soaking in these words.
Barry Shepherd has written a beautiful poem entitled Father into Thy Hands. In it, he imagines what Jesus was saying in this moment. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Into thy hands, Father, into thine. For these hands that have been mine are just too broken now to hold it any longer. They have served well for thirty years and more, these hands you gave me. The hands you gave me, Lord, have done their task complete and now can do no more. The spirit they have held and worked for, expressed in countless loving ways, is ready to return into thy hands then. O Father, thy hands that have been ever under mine, thy hands that have been supported, Guided every moment and every movement into thy hands, I commit my soul, myself, knowing that the hands that have so tended me in grace will not forsake me now, will never let me go, but will embrace me in eternal love from this day's ending onward, even to forever. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So, Father Jesus, we pray that the childlike awe and trust that Jesus exhibited on the cross will become ours also. We pray that we will trust you no matter what, knowing that in your good, strong hands we are eternally secure. May we go from here in our home safe and secure in our God's hands. And everybody said together, Amen. In my heart and my soul, I give you service. Y'all want to keep playing?